in this episode of Board Game Impact. I'm talking all about the Spiel des Jahres winner, Dorf Romantic. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the latest episode of Board Game Impact. As always, I am Doc Brown, and today I'm going to be talking all about Dwarf Romantic, which just this week, at the time of this recording, I'm recording this on Tuesday, uh, the 18th of July, and Dwarf Romantic has officially won the Spiel des Jahres, which is the game of the year. And that's how you say game of the year in German, um, which is the essentially the biggest award in board gaming. And so we're going to get all into what this game is, what you need to know, and uh, kind of what's going on with it. It's really, really cool. Congrats to all the other nominees and recommendations as well. Um, so if this is your first time listening to Board Game Impact, we're a podcast all and video cast, all the things, all about board games using our educational experiences and lenses to break down our gaming experiences for the benefit of you and your gaming group. So if that sounds like interest to you, make sure to hit that subscribe on your phone while it's still in your hands because um, you just hit play and welcome to the show. And uh, so some other quick updates. Um, so I updated in the last episode all about some of the Tabletop Alliance happenings, which if you're not familiar, Tabletop Alliance is the nonprofit that I run with some others. And we are a 51c3 nonprofit providing games to schools, libraries, and community programs across 23 states currently, impacting about 57,000 students. Um, it's a truly incredible thing we get to do. It's all volunteer work. Um, but what's really nice is today at my door, I had another two cases of games show up, These this time from Keymaster Games. Um, and they're copies of their latest release, Chicken, which is this fun, fast-paced dice rolling game uh, that was honestly one of my favorite game and gaming experiences from Gamma um, when I went to the Gamma Expo. So you're definitely going to be hearing all about that on an upcoming episode. And so if you know any educators, community leaders, or librarians who want to use games or are using games, uh, make sure to send them over to tabletopalliance.org. Have them fill out the information on our website so that way we can get in touch and send them free games as well as add them to our network of fellow educators um, to rise, have that tide rise all of the ships. And so if you're interested in supporting that, you can go on over to tabletopalliance.org. And if you want to learn more about this show and support this show, because uh, every little bit of support really helps, you can go to patreon.com slash boardgameimpact. And so with that, let's jump right in. And so by the way, speaking of support, I got some new technology, um, which is this fancy new mixing board, which is so much fun. And it has all sorts of voice modulation things. I'm not going to really play with it because I could... Do the episode completely as a Decepticon. Or as an Autobot. Autobots roll out. So I'm not going to do that, but I am going to do this fun 1920s voice for this little like overview from the publisher. Because why not? I got some new technology. It's fun. Um, so indulge me just a little bit here. Rippling rivers, rustle forests, wheat fields, swaying in the wind, and here there is a cute little village. That's Dorf Romantic. In Dorfermanic, the board game, up to six players work together to lay hexagonal tiles to create beautiful landscapes to fulfill the orders of the population while at the same time laying as long a track and rivers as you possibly can, but also taking into account the flags that will provide points in the, for the enclosed areas. 
the better the players manage to do this, the more points they can score at the end. In the course of the replayable campaign, the points earned can be used to unlock new tiles that are hidden in intentionally locked boxes. These pose as new additional tasks for the players and make it possible to raise their scores higher and higher throughout the campaign. So yeah, so Dorfermanic is a one to six player game. Um, and we'll get more into the numbers of people that we'd recommend with that. Uh, but it's a tile laying game where you are going to be placing tiles out, and each of them has uh, either forest or wheat or river or um, city or um, railroad on them. And you're going to be playing them, laying them together. And you have a, two stacks of tiles, actually, one of which is just tiles, and the other one has you take these little cardboard components that are face down uh, at the start of the game, and let's say you flip it up and it is a city tile. Well, then you go over to the little city stack, you'll take one of those tiles, flip it over, and let's say it says five. That means you're trying to connect five tiles of city spaces. So they have to be an interconnected thing, not just five tiles that have cities, but the actual city parts have to all connect. Because, of course, some of these tiles, it takes over the whole tile. It might split it 50-50 or into thirds, all those fun things. And so all you're doing on the turn is you're taking one tile off one of the piles and you're playing it face up wherever you'd like to play it. Now, what's interesting about this game, and if, if you're hearing about this game right now, you might be thinking, well, that sounds a lot like Carcassonne. Well, just because it has tiles and it's laying them down doesn't mean it's Carcassonne. That in itself is not Carcassonne. Um, yes, tile laying is a big thing that got pushed by Carcassonne. Um, that's with squares. This is with hexagons. The difference, though, is in Carcassonne, you have to if, if match them. So if you had a tile that had a wheat corner and you wanted to put it down, you could not match the city to the wheat. No, you couldn't do that if it was like Carcassonne. No, you can put the tiles down however the heck you want. The only exception is tiles that have rivers and railroads. Those, when you play them, it has to be able to continue the railroad or be a place where it doesn't Im infringe on the railroad being able to quote unquote work. Um, so what that means is you can't put a railroad butting into a field or a city and things like that, but you could make it end in an empty hex or two empty hexes. So you can put it kind of on the fringes of the city um, or of the, the landscape as it, as it will. So, and the same thing goes for rivers. Because um, that, that just, A, doesn't look aesthetically pleasing. I'm just going to call that. Um, and that one kind of makes sense, right? Because it would be weird for it to just end at the end of the tile. So, essentially, you can play most of the tiles anywhere. Um, so, some interesting notes about this gameplay is, A, it's cooperative. Um, so, you are all working together to get the highest score. Uh, there's no lose conditions, there's no lose conditions in while you're playing Dorfermanic. And the reason for that is, is because you're essentially just trying to get a higher score every single time you play this. And there are some strategies you can implore with that. And it might seem from the outside, oh, well, why would I challenge that? Why would I do that? Uh, it can be rather strategic in terms of some of the things you can do. Now, obviously, it's rather approachable. But the interesting thing about all this, if you, if, as you heard in the 1920s voice, it's a campaign. Now, it's a very light campaign, but how the campaign works is you have this little 
path track on a sheet of paper. And what it is, based on your score, so let's say you score between 0 and 99 points, then you're considered a quote-unquote vagabond, which means you can mark off one space on that little trail. Well, let's say you score another increment of points above the 99. Well, then you can probably cross off two marks on the little trail and scattered throughout the trail are different unlocks uh, because in the box there are five tuck boxes. So like a deck of cards box, sometimes they're thicker than that though. But that kind of box, if you can imagine what I'm talking about. And as you cross off spaces and you get to one of those spots where there's an unlock, you then get to add new content to your game. So that's pretty cool. Um, So it's really just every time you play, the tiles are going to come out different. If you eventually cross off and get to some of those little mile like flags in the pathway, then you get to add new things to your game, which honestly are almost always going to help you score more points if you're able to utilize them in a a strategic way. Um, That's not a spoiler. That's just how the game is because you're trying to score better and better by playing cities better. Um, not just cities, but farms and, and rivers, all the things. So you're essentially just trying to score as high as you can to unlock more progress. And I do guess if you finish all of the unlocks, you can just keep playing with the whole set. Kind of like if you finish starter zone, you can then just play with that. So I assume when you finish, finish, you can just play with everything. So full transparency, we have not finished it, but I have played Dwarf Romantic probably 12 times already. Um, and that's because of a lot of reasons which I'm going to get into here in a minute. So again, how to play, it's all co-op, but the key of it is at the start of the game, there's obviously no tiles out on the board because you haven't placed any tiles. And so the first three tiles that have to come out are from the goal tile packs. And so you'll, the, you have to, again, you have two t- types of tiles. You have goal tiles and you have regular tiles. So the first three turns are just revealing a goal. And so you'll take the tile, you'll put it down. It looks like the other tiles, except it has a little marker on the back and on the front that says put a relevant goal on this tile, essentially. And so they could be for locomotive, they can be for a length of river, they can be for a number of fields to connect, it could be for a number of cities to connect, it could be a number for a number of forests to connect. And so there has to always be three goals available on the map. So once those three are out there, then every single other time, you're just pulling off the regular tiles. If you complete a goal on your turn, then the next player will draw off of the goal pile so that way you again have three goals available and where you put those goals on your map can help you accomplish more goals so let's say i have a a goal of five fields right and i currently have four well let's say you just took your turn and we accomplished another goal i draw off the tile pack for new goals and it has a field on it i could put that field to connect to the other fields that where that goal was, because again, it was at four, needs five, and then that satisfies that goal. And so you can use goals to continually satisfy more and more, um, potentially even more than one goal at the same time because of how you could potentially lay down tiles. And so the game ends when you run out of tiles in the regular draw pile and you can't play any more um, of the goal tiles. So whichever one essentially runs out first. Now, that said... 
Um, what's important to know is at the beginning of every single game you play, you mix up all of your regular tiles and you take out three randomly, put them in the box, do not look at them. And so it's always three tiles less than however many tiles are in the overall stack. So you you can almost try and predict, but not completely. Um, so that's a nice little just flavor about gameplay. But do remember to take those tiles out. And if you play multiple games back to back, just from experience, remember to add them back in and then take out three new ones. Um, definitely happened once. Uh, so some interesting notes about gameplay. Similarly, I was talking about Carcassonne earlier. You don't have to match. Now there might be, well, A, it's aesthetic if they do match. It's kind of cool. Um, but potentially not matching might be better for you because the goals range from uh, at the start of the game, areas of four, five, or six. And there's two fives and two sixes at the start of the game. And so with that, you're trying to figure out, okay, well, the largest area is going to be six and the smallest one's going to be four. Sometimes there's strategy in potentially having little clusters of three that you're making all around the board because then you know if you, a goal comes up, then you can either create immediately fulfill a four uh, or you can have at least a foundation for the further ones. Um, so there is some cool parts of that. So sometimes it's ad actually advantageous to not have them match uh, because then you have more of an opportunity to create little pockets. There's one other type of tile that I didn't talk about, and that is for each of those kind of areas, so the fields and the um, cities and the forests, there's a flag tile for each of them. It's very ob obvious, and all it is is that area of, let's say, forests, if they got the forest flag, will score for the number of tiles a forest it's connected to as long as it's completely closed, meaning that there's no open edges to the edge of the edge of the game board uh, as it exists. Um, so just do know that. So you get one point for each of those. The goal little markers, um, those are straight up points. So if you finish an area of six, that's six points. And so you'll score for all of the areas that you've uh, currently completed. And then you'll score for your longest river and your longest railroad and then the points for any additional points that you have for the flags or otherwise, um, and potentially some unlocks. So all the components in this game are cardboard, except some of the unlocks. I'm not going to spoil what those are, um, but that is, it's essentially all little cardboard components, which is, it's nice. It's actually pretty relaxing. Sometimes I will say though, it is, it could be hard Potentially, if you're colorblind, I know there's obviously it looks like a forest or it looks like a, a grass, but because it's green on green, if you're doing a quick look with your eyes, it can sometimes be a little hard to see the difference. But that said, the colors are pretty vivid. It's just that green on green can be a little difficult. So what it brought out in uh, myself and other players, uh, I've really only played this mostly with my wife. I have I did play it twice four player while at BGG no once three player once four player uh, while at BGG Con um, in spring in May, uh, but what it brought out in players is uh, a kind of a push your luck mechanic where you know if there's one four two fives and two sixes of goals and you've let's say accomplished one of the fives 
and a four, then you can hedge your bet that two thirds of the goal is going to be a six. And so it's like, ooh, do we want to try? And if we're wrong, it'll lock down this area. So let's say we had an area of five fields and we just got a field goal. Then we put it on there and flip the tile, flip the little goal tile. And if that is a six, then we immediately score it, which is kind of cool. But there's a one in three chance that it's a five. So there was this like little push your luck element um, that was there, but it was kind of we. It was a quick game, so we were okay with doing that. Now, and there was no lose condition, so I think that also helped. Now, this said, I need to talk about my wife. <laughs> so, my wife Caitlin only goes to the spring convention because of work commitments, and thankfully, whenever we go to spring at BGG, they have the Spiel des Jahres judges there, and they bring all of the Spiel nominees for all three awards, so the, the Kids Game of the Year, the Game of the Year, and the Gamers Game of the Year, um, and teach them. And Dwarf Romantic was one of those games. And so we played this. It was consistently set up on one of those tables. So she played this herself about five times while at this like four-day convention. Uh, she kept going over and playing it with different people, and then solo, which I'll get to. So she taught two other groups how to play, uh, legit like other volunteers at the convention, et cetera. She taught them how to play, which every single time that we are playing games, she's like, "You learn the game, and then you teach me." That's the that's the deal we have here. I am always the teacher in games. She was so immersed in this that people asked her how to how to play and she would teach them. And which is, of course, she's, she's absolutely all about doing that. Um, bless her heart. I love her. Um, but she just don't normally see her teach games, especially at a gaming convention. Cause I am the more Uber gamer. I'm just going to call that. Uh, but she did it and they actually scored better than us. And so that's a good sign of a teacher. But she, like I said, she never does that. Then one night at the convention, there's a poker tournament. There's no money on the line, anything. It's free to play. And it's one of the only times a year I'll play poker. Um, pretty much the only time of the year I'll play poker. And there's also like teenagers in this tournament. So it's just for fun. And I'm usually out in about 20 to 40 minutes. So three hours later, um, I am I finally get out of poker. I was in the top 16 of 120 players. And I I'm looking for her because I know she stayed up and she's like down in the convention somewhere. And I'm talking to some, some other friends that we know from the convention. I look up and damn, if I know she is sitting all the way over at the Spiel des Jahres tables playing this solo by her, like by, obviously solo by herself. I have never, ever, ever seen my wife play a game solo. Ever. Now I've seen her play like solitaire with cards sometimes, like when we had a power outage or something like that. That's different. But legitimately, she was sitting by herself playing solo. And I walked up and I asked, like, so what you doing? I first of all took a picture at a distance of her because I was like, I need I need evidence of this. Um, and I was like, What you doing? And she's like, I really just wanted to to play. And so I, I played by my I played this game by myself. And I was like, that's great. And she's like, yeah, it was my third like third game of the night. And I was like, what? Um, and so I have never, ever, ever seen her do that. She said, I asked her what she liked about it. And she said that it, it attends to her like puzzle making itch. So 
there's sometimes where we'll do puzzles or play Legos and things like that uh, or build Legos. And as context is a reminder, we met in a Lego aisle of a toy store. Like that's where we met. She was running the toy store. And so she does enjoy like the tactile nature and the cathartic nature of making a puzzle. And that's essentially what she was doing. She wanted to get a better score by potentially laying out these tiles in a better way. On top of that, I told her, did you know this game is actually also a video game? The video game came first. It's on Steam. And she's like, no, um, didn't. And I was like, yeah, but I haven't been able to buy it because, and I'm going to get some hate for saying this, but I have Mac computers. A, and also, just as a side note, I'm going to pause. Macs are great, um, especially because I do the podcast that you're listening to. And so it's great for audio, and it's also great for video and photo editing. Um, so just know that. That's why I have a Mac. Because, and then also, my, all my devices talk to each other. Um, so it makes it easy for the iteration on things. Okay, back to the episode. Um, so I was saying I can't. I can't get it on Steam because it's not available on Mac. And one of my buddies from the convention says, you know it's available on the Switch, right? And I do have a Switch, which I did not know is available on the Switch. So Sunday of the convention, we say, oh, Monday of the convention because it was over Memorial Day. We say goodbye to everybody. We leave about 10 o'clock and we get home about 1 because it's like a three-hour drive. The first thing she has me do is go on to the switch and download it for $14.99 because she wanted to be able to play it. And so not only did this, is this the first time I've seen her like want to play a solo game? It's also the first time I've ever seen her want to play a video game by herself. Now she grew up playing with her older brothers and some video games, but I've never in our entire six year marriage and our 10 years of being together, seen her want to play a video game where she has me go and buy it ever. Um, so on top of that, before we even left the convention, she had me order this, um, from an online retailer. Cause they were the only ones who had it in stock because it just came to the U S and so, yeah, so we had it, we had the copy arrive to us of the board game about the Thursday after the convention. Um, so we got home on Monday. It arrived on Thursday. So I hope you're kind of reading between the lines, the the very obvious lines here of where, where I'm going to land on this game, um, but in terms of overall thoughts. Um, so how would this game fit into some other games, the gateway and stuff? So if you like puzzles, this might, or your group likes puzzles, this might be a great next thing. Um, I think... There is some similarity to Carcassonne of laying tiles, but I think that mindset can create a fixed mindset of it has to match, which it doesn't in this game. Um, The other thing, too, is there's some confusing rules in Carcassonne for a new player, such as you can't, you have to, like the farmers and stuff, that I always kind of eliminate that rule because I know some people love that rule about the closing off the fields and stuff, but I always find that that kind of convolutes scoring and some things and, and for new players. So I just kind of cut that out. I could throw almost any new player into the initial stages of this. Now I will say, as you start unlocking things, you get more and more opportunities to score points. And so do be mindful of that. This will escalate, not in a bad way. It's still manageable and they give you little cards to remind you of some of the stuff, but it will escalate in terms of the number of things. And so do know that. Uh, so some other things of note, obviously this one, the Spiel des Jahres, uh, this week. And so I keep seeing lots of comments of how on BGG of how well deserved it is. 
Um, that said, though, while we were at BGG, it was interesting looking at other, the other nominees because this was the main one getting played for the spiel games. And like some of the games, were, the other ones were getting played out of like curiosity. But the resounding message on the wall was that this was going to win. And I I absolutely love it for what it's doing. I think it's a, looking at the Spiel Award. Now, sometimes there's some controversy about the Spiel of, oh, it's not for me, quote-unquote, as a hard, hardcore gamer. The Spiel Award is for games that are great across age levels and um, appro- and are approachable and will further people to bring them into the hobby. Um, that's for the regular Spiel. And so from that lens, Dorf is a really good opportunity for A, bringing the video game lovers of because it is like millions of people have this video game which is super relaxing and cathartic by the way um great little music and i've seen her play that a number of times while i've been traveling she'll just pull up my switch and just play that while i'm away um on travel and she's just at home chilling she'll play my switch which again she never does until now um and so yeah, so it'll bring all those video game players into the hobby, which that's great. It also is a great way to introduce like a campaign idea of, oh, whoa, games can do more over multiple iterations. So that's kind of cool for what it's helping introduce new gamers into the space. Um, so the BGG stats, it says one to six players and best at one to two. I'm going to go with that one to two. I absolutely think the best way to do this is that one to two. Essentially consider it like a puzzle night that scores points. It's the best way I'm going to put it. Uh, play time, 30 to 60 minutes. That's per time you play. Now, when we play this, we're typically going to play like two to four times back to back. The weight of it on BGG is a 1.7 out of 5. I agree with that. Um, so it is fairly lightweight. Now, that said, as you add more modules, it does get a little bit more to add in and things like that. But it's still lighthearted. And so I think it holds up. So overall thoughts. I am in love with Dorfromanic um, for what it has done, especially for my partner, for my wife. Um, and I've enjoyed just our kind of like puzzle nights. We played the other night and I had a long day at work and then we got home. We made dinner, which took a while to make. We went for a walk outside around the block and then we came back and it's like it was like nine o'clock, which is late. And we're like, why don't we just play like two rounds of Dorf and it was super relaxing. It was just a good way to kind of cap off the night. We had just unlocked another box at the end of that. And we're like, you know what? That's a good stopping spot. And then we just left it out on our table. Um, so it's just sitting in on the other in the game room on our table for when we want to just puzzle again, essentially. And I appreciate having that because um, sometimes life can be pretty busy or, or or pretty cognitive load of having to think about a lot of things um, or having just a tough day at work. But you know what? Like it's sometimes just nice to do a puzzle with your partner um, or just sit and puzzle by yourself too. So we actually put on, we, this is a little, uh, something we do is whenever we're doing something. So like I was building Ikea furniture for the office. And so I looked up on Spotify, like Ikea furniture building playlist. And so we looked up Dorf Romantic playlist, just had that little playing on our, uh, on our little Bluetooth speaker while building this. And it was just kind of ambient music. It was just a really great way to kind of cap off the night. So is it lightweight? Yeah. Is it, um, is it a game that also at the same time 
has been super relaxing and has cultivated cool things? Yeah, it has. Is there a depth to it and some strategy with what you do? There is. Um, now it's pretty overt strategy, which is fine, um, but it is there and but you can kind of do whatever you want. And again, the no lose condition is sometimes just nice. So in closing, if you have, if anything in here tickled your fancy, I highly recommend checking out Dwarf Romantic. Um, if you want to, you can also check out the video game. It's a lot like the board game. However, the video game goes a lot longer every time you play it. Uh, sometimes you're playing that for closer to the hour mark plus if you keep unlocking more tiles and more tiles and more tiles. As I was talking with the German judges for this, for the Spiel des Jahres, because I was talking with the judges, they're like, I like this more than the video game because there's a finite amount of tiles. And so I know it is going to end which is kind of nice um, and also kind of cathartic in all of that. So thanks for listening to Board Game Impact. I hope that learning about what experiences are going on for me and us provides a positive impact on you and your gaming group. If you have any questions about the show or have games you want us to discuss, you can just email that to boardgameimpact at gmail.com. Please make sure to follow on all the social media pages at Board Game Impact, which now includes threads. I have not posted there yet, but it's a thing i guess um then make sure to tell your friends about board game impacts or an impact can continue to grow and if you got any value out of today's show i do recommend you go on over to the patreon patreon.com slash board game impact and everything is as little as a dollar a month can make a super impact on this uh, so that way we can continue to pay those hosting costs costs and and get out even better content even on, even more frequently to you and your gaming group and until next time go make your positive impact on the world 